showing your employees that you appreciate them. I appreciate that you showed up to work on time. In the past, wrongly so, but in the past, we would say, no, these are your orders. And if you don't like it, I'm going to write you up and get you out of here. So maybe your employees may have complied, but they certainly weren't all happy to be there. I refer you to somebody else. So even though, you know, these days things are different, they should have always been this way. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Su, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Wendy Sellers is known as the HR lady. As a professional tossed into the HR world without a plan, she learned all of this the hard way and it was very painful. She is now authentic and transparent and above all, she keeps it real with a focus on results, action, and challenge. There is never a hidden agenda. Wendy has over 25 years of experience in HR in a wide variety of industries including healthcare, dental, professional services, technology, manufacturing. The list really does go on and covers just about every industry. Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, trains administrators on the HR stuff, but managers on all the rest, all the people stuff. The culture, the hiring, the compliance, the termination, making people feel valuable in the organization so that they stay long-term. There's a cost to recruiting. And so when your company is really compliant and has the people part dialed in, that's when a company can really grow. Today, we're going to have Wendy share her insights and must-dos when hiring in this new world. The timing of her expertise is unbelievable because just this morning, Bruce Feller, an author of The Search, was a guest on CNBC's Squawk Box, and I just happened to be walking past the TV when it was on. He's an expert in workforce data and was sharing similar information that you'll hear from Wendy. Basically, the overarching theme is that our workforce has changed. It's not temporary because of the pandemic, and it's not just the millennials. It's a major shift in cultural needs. Bruce did say the pandemic played a little part in the switch, but it's here to stay. He goes on to say that the younger generation learned both good and bad from their parents. They learned how to work hard, but they also learned what overworked and underappreciated look like, which left many unsatisfied in life. Some stats he shared is that six out of 10 millennials say meaning is more important in their careers than was in their parents' careers. So nine out of 10 people of all ages, not just millennials, are willing to give up 25% of their earnings to have more meaning in their career. Think about that. Let's let's do easy math out of a $100,000 job or position. People are willing to give up 25 grand in that scenario to have more meaning for the same exact position. I mean, that's huge, even at a smaller salary. 
The swing in this mentality is called meaning over means. So meaning in your career over the financial means that it provides you. Work is really about the words, like happiness, meaning, contributing, fulfilling. That's what people nowadays, and again, not just millennials, but people of all ages are looking for in their careers. Employers that meet the needs of their employees will have a lot less turnover. Employers need to realize that there has been a shift. We're going to dive right in with Wendy to get her insights on hiring and what it takes to keep people in their careers longer. By the way, Wendy also has two books that you can find on Amazon. One is called Suck It Up Buttercup, and the other is The Asshole Whisperer, which is for leaders. Both are really great lead, really great reads. So let's dive in with Wendy. Recruiting is difficult in some industries right now. So what are some of the top things when hiring that you are like, you absolutely have to do this as a leader? So um, the first thing I say is, oh, you're looking for a job at, uh, you know, a, a position for, a, let's just say a new role, or maybe it's even a replacement. Uh, please go and put pause on that job ad because uh, odds are good the job ad's not, a, um, not legally compliant. It doesn't explain what the person really needs to be do- doing. Like I said, job ads are marketing tools, right? And so you, most HR people are not marketing people. So you need a little bit of, you know, marketing slash business development department into the HR department as well. So you need to make, if you're just copying a job description and pasting it into a job ad, boring, 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 boring. (laughs) Probably the same one they used 10 years ago on that same position, right? And the position has not been updated and it's talking about technology or no technology that we don't even use anymore. So first thing I say is to my clients, I want to see the job description. We don't have one. I'm like, well, if you don't have a job description, then you're not putting a job ad out because you're going to be using the job description to, let's just say there's, I don't know, 15 um, essential responsibilities. Well, you better have 15 questions related to those essential responsibilities. But before you get to those questions, you know, you can have series of like steps within the interview process. So number one, having the job description, make sure it's valid, reliable, legit. It actually, you know, the hiring manager and the hiring team said, yep, this is what we do every day. In the job description, you should have company values listed in there or whatever you call them. I call them company values. In my second book, The Asshole Whisperer, I have very specific steps to help you create company values. So what are company values? Company values are, in the past, were used only for marketing and business development, and they are focused on the customers or the clients. They should be also, and or also, um, not or, definitely also, focused on the employee. And they should be, these are the behaviors we expect you to exhibit in our workplace. So here are the duties in your job description. And then here are the behaviors. Why? 99% of my phone calls that I get all day, every day for my clients are because of somebody's acting a fool. And I say, what's your company values? Let's hold them accountable. Because you kind of know when somebody's not doing their job, right? Uh, they were supposed to make this many widgets. They were supposed to call these many people, whatever it might be. But, but most managers and even HR goes, I don't know what to do because they're just kind of being a jerk. Well, company values say respect, you know, professional behavior, um, you know, inclusivity. Yeah, integrity, inclusivity. And so you have to use the words that 
are the reason why the HR department's going crazy <laughs> or the managers are going crazy. So your job descriptions have to be clearly outlined of here are here's the summary of your job. Here's your essential responsibility. Here's the knowledge, skills, and abilities that we require or are preferred, including degrees, licenses, things like that for the job. And then on top of that, here are the behaviors that you are going to have to portray in this organization. Maybe there's behaviors in there that the, the employee goes, no, or the candidate says, yeah, I'm not really cool with that. Great. Rule yourself out. Don't apply. How often does that happen now? Um, it depends on the job. So I find that if there's, you know, there are some companies out there, and these are usually companies that, or roles, I should say, that are super sales oriented. You know, they, I see it all too often that we let people that are bringing in the millions of dollars in sales get away with being a jerk. Well, they, that's where you end up in discrimination claims. And that's where you end up in lawsuits for harassment and bullying and, and bias. Uh, just because they're bringing in the money doesn't mean they should be allowed to push around other employees or even customers. Because if you let them get away with one thing, you know, you keep knocking away, knocking away, knocking away. Well, I'm a jerk to everybody. Then it's specifically, I'm only a jerk to women, or I'm only a jerk to women who are pregnant, or I'm only a jerk to women who are born as men. And this is where you get into discrimination. And so it's a slippery slope. And, you know, I think a lot of companies have learned the hard way because they've gotten sued and lost. And then they're all over the internet that they've allowed people to be discriminatory because of the dollar behind it. Um, most employees these days, though, are not going to allow it to happen. So you might keep that jerk who's maybe not being discriminatory, but just being a jerk to everybody. You might keep them and they're bringing in a million dollars with the sales, but it's costing you, you know, a million dollars over here to replace everybody every three to six months. Sure. The right? turnover costs. And then on top of that, the lawsuits yeah. too. So, you know, there has to be a balance on that. But, um, you know, there could be other roles too that they say, wow, you want me to, you know, take part in, in all these trainings and have regular feedback and then employee can say, you know, you're not paying me enough, so I'm not going to do that. But generally speaking, speaking, people as a whole want to go to work, do their job, even if they don't love their job, but at least do their job, do it decently and not feel harassed or biased or bullied or just uncomfortable in the workplace. They don't have to love their job. They just have to do their job and then come back the next day. Yeah. And, you know, you said it before too, that it's about time that our companies are getting up to date on that. Because we've said that for how long, right? That people didn't leave for money even 10, 15 years ago, unless it was substantial and it was going to impact their family life, right? But People have wanted that for years. And now I think this generation is actually acting on that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's even more than a generational thing, because if, if we didn't have the pandemic, I would say, yes, it's the youngest generations that are leading it. But with the pandemic, a lot of people, regardless of age, said, you know what? This isn't worth it. This isn't worth my health. This isn't worth my stress. This isn't worth you know, ignoring my family most hours because I, I'm so focused on work. Uh, I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to take less money and I'm going to go somewhere else. In my friend group alone, I know so many people who have taken major pay cuts to go work for companies that are just nicer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think yeah, you definitely 
are right on the whole pandemic pandemic it had changed perspective. Yeah, the people said, people. well, you know what? I'm broke anyways. <laughs> Why should I work for a crappy company when I'm already broke and it's not going to change and I'm not getting any younger and neither are my kids or my family or, or you know my parents, whatever it might be. And so I will work somewhere else. I will take a step down in my career if I'm respected and I'm treated like a human being and I, and, you know, maybe I don't have to work 90 hours a week. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that still like working a lot of hours, maybe to get away from their family or, or whatever it might be, or, you know, but, you know, their money can only get you so far because eventually an employee's health declines, mental and physical. And so after working so many, you know, hours of overtime, you know, over and over and over again, you're actually not getting that much output out of them. And so you're really wasting your time and money, especially if you're paying overtime to be asking more of them when they're just burnt out. And it's something that you could have done in your culture to change, train your managers how to treat people, hire people according to your company values, hire people that are, you know, as qualified as possible for the job and then hold everybody accountable moving forward. And the reason I say hire people that are as qualified as possible is a lot of jobs, the skills that we need, they just don't exist. And so we have to say, okay, where are, what, where is our line? What are we going to absolutely accept? And then what are we going to train for? And we have to put that training into the budget now, where before training always went away, right? Like, oh, we don't have any money. Let's get rid of training. Well, now we're realizing, no, employees are demanding it. Our customers are demanding it. And if we don't train them on the skills that they're missing, they're not just going to magically come to work the next day with those skills, whether they're technical skills or soft skills. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of goes back to that common sense. Right? right. Yeah. Common sense is a common. <laughs> it's like, why don't you have it? Yeah. I had it listed on the job description. You said yes to the job. Why, why are you not doing these yes. things to 100%? Because you capacity? didn't really ask me a question about that. It was a yes, no question. If I was, okay, not me because I'm, I'm a little more direct than most people, but most candidates, if they're saying, I want to work for this company, I like the pay, it looks like really great benefits and it looks like a cool environment. And you ask them in an interview, like, do you have this skill? Yes. That's great. <laughs> All right. Start Monday. That's it. Yes. Okay. You didn't ask me how many times I did it. You know, I, if you asked me on a range of one to 10, if I have the skill, I would have told you barely a one because I just started it yesterday, but that's not what you asked. <laughs> I Googled it yesterday before the interview. <laughs> yeah, I Googled it yesterday. Oh, and I'm actually doing a training on chat GPT today for HR folks. And, um, you know, you could, you can create resumes through chat GPT. You can create job descriptions through, you know, open AI. So, you know, HR, this can work for you and it can work against you. So it's really not expecting uh, your managers to know how to interview, not expecting your managers to know how to write a job description, and then, you know, making sure that you're training managers and then going above and beyond training, holding them accountable for doing their management duties, not passing the buck to human resources. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply 
to join me as a guest on our top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. I think the questions in the interview are key. And I know I hear myself coaching people on that as well. What do you, what do you advise in your training or what do you train in your training of how to ask the right questions so that you can get past that fake front? Um, yeah of the interviewee. So most organizations do use some kind of technology system, even if it's just like an indeed.com, you know, they have their own, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to call indeed an applicant tracking system, but let's face it for most small businesses, it is. That's where you're storing your candidates. Well, when you're posting the job ad, you know, the job is an advertisement. So it has to be the job description and then a fluffy statement in the beginning of how wonderful we are. Here's where you can go find our benefits. Here's what the pay is. I won't work with anybody if the pay is not listed in the job ad. In many states, that is a law now, and it's going to continue being that. But it's a personal policy of the HR lady. Like if you're not um, going to be transparent with your candidates, then you're probably not going to be transparent with your employees. And therefore, I don't want to work with you. Um, so yeah, I will not, I will not work with people who do not or are not transparent. Oh, well, we don't know yet. Well, that means you're not prepared to really hire this position because you're winging it. And then you're going to be mad when this person's winging it because you won it through the interview and hired them with no rules. And now you're going to be upset with them. So anyway. <laughs> well, and, and even a step further from that, that gives me, um, you know, really bad anxiety hearing that from people like that because from a financial standpoint and financial advising, how do you hire someone not knowing, is it going to be a $40,000 job or an $80,000 job? Like you have no idea what that person's going to do to your profitability of your company. And like, okay, so you found the great person and and they want 80K. Okay, cool. But now you can't necessarily afford right. that. Right, exactly. Or you say... Oh, uh, you give the manager the authority to go between, let's just say, you know, 45 and 65,000. Uh, okay, that's a big range there, manager. You get the authority there. Oh, but I didn't realize that this manager isn't actually a discriminatory person. And so every time a female comes on or somebody with a disability, they're going to give them the $45,000 offer. And since those people have always been discriminated against, Maybe they're not going to know any better or they're just going to take it because they're desperate. And so these are the other reasons why. So it's not just about the financials, but it's about the, hey, transparency, compliance, following the law, not being discriminatory. 
Um, so getting back to the question, though, like how do you go through the interview? So you have all the interview, the job ad set up correctly. In most applicant tracking systems, including such as Indeed, you can ask a few questions before they hit submit. Don't go crazy with this because remember, most people are doing it on their phone. Not everybody has a computer. Not everybody has technology at their home or internet at their home based on where they live. And if their role doesn't require that, that's none of your business. Um, so I make sure I, I call them go, no go questions. And so I put in three or four. No, I try not to go too crazy. Three is usually my max questions. Let's just say it was um, for a plumber and you they needed to have a plumbing license in that state. Then I, and, and if they don't, they absolutely can't work for me. You know, which makes sense. Then that should be in there. Do you have a plumbing license or certificate or whatever it is, degree, whatever it might be. And if you your rules in your company are absolutely not and they say no, then you don't interview them. You didn't waste anybody's time. You didn't waste theirs. They didn't you didn't waste yours. So, you know, put in the first step of the application, go no go questions. The second step could be you can train your receptionist, you can train anybody in your organization to then go to the next set level. It says, Hey, we got your resume. This is really great. This is our next step in the process. I do have two or three questions, and this is, it could even be automated through a chat bot, um, but you can just do it you know, through a human being that says, here are the three questions um, via email that I need answers to before we set you up for an interview with uh, whoever the next one is. And then that's the next level of go, no, go. The person who's asking them don't even, doesn't even need to know what the answers are. They're just there you know, managing the information and then passing it over to the hiring team who then says, you know, no, if they answer this, they can't move on. If they answer that, you can't move on. And it could also be about pay. Have you seen the salaries listed in our pay? And, you know, are you okay with that range? Are you, will you accept that range? Yes or no? That's not saying, that's not saying, what did you make in the past? That's saying, this is what our job is paying from, you know, whatever, $20 an hour to $24 an hour. And the difference is based on experience. And if you have this um, certificate or not, if you don't have it, we can still hire you, but we're going to train you and give you education so you can get the certificate in the next three to six months. So very, very, very clear. So number one, absolute go, no, go questions. Number two, the next level, and then an actual interview, whether it's in person via Zoom or via a phone call with a human being, who we have, before we post that job ad, sat with in a committee meeting, or at least three or four of us that are on the hiring team, including HR, sat together and said, before we post this job ad live, what is going to be the interviewing process? What are the questions going to be in the interview? Um, So, And then we write them down and put them, make sure they're related to the job, the job description, and then anyone really in theory could ask those questions too. It should be somebody that's um, in the job role or in that department. And so you're only judging people then. And yes, I use the word judge. You're only judging people off of those questions and answers, not the fact that they're in a wheelchair, not the fact that they're tall, they're short, they're white, they're black, they're pregnant, they're not. Can you do the job based on this interview questions? And then here's the rating the hiring team has assigned. Who is the best person for the job, regardless of the fact that you didn't like their hair color? Yes. And that um, brings me to a question I wanted to ask you is, what is your opinion on the video? Like a a lot of softwares are now coming out with the 
part of the process, right? They have to answer two of three, two or three of those questions in a video. So uh, a video, oh, it's, oh, even Indeed has that too. And then they have a, um, I think it's an audio one too, where you give them a few questions and then they just call into this, you know, AI or a hotline and they either do it via video or via your phone. Um, for video, you know, I, my first thing is why, why? Are they going to be on video with your customers on a regular basis? If not, then I really don't give a crap what you look like. I care what you sound like and how your communication skills are. If they're only ever going to be communicating via email or text or chatbot, I really don't even care what you sound like. I want to know that you could just communicate with your coworkers um, with or without accommodation for those with a disability. And can you do the job? So it depends on the job. I know that's a typical HR answer, right? It depends, but no, but it makes sense. Yeah, but there is a there's you know the ADA has um, an entire page that I'm looking at right now about um, artificial intelligence algorithms and disability discrimination and hiring, and you know go there and find out this information to say, oh, we're using AI. Are we accidentally unintentionally you know creating bias and discrimination? And you might be. Sure. Well, I, I, I guess I can understand what you're saying is like if some if the position is client facing and a lot of, you know, potentially Zoom meetings with clients or sales calls with clients via computer and camera. So you, you would want to see how they interact and how they present themselves. They come to an interview in a hoodie when that's the role of the job. Yeah. That's going to be like, okay, that's maybe not yeah. the greatest choice. And so like, I always tell people like, okay, we got to be realistic. If you just called them, you know, 15 minutes ago, Hey, can you get on a, on a zoom with me? Well, I'm sorry. They're out playing with their kids in a field and they do have a hoodie on and that's, that's on you for not, you know, preparing them. Right. So it comes down to that too. And even explaining in the job ad, this is the, you know, it's a, a professional position. This is the re, the um, requirements of what you can and cannot wear, things like that. So if the more specific you're going to be with your requirements, I suggest like a whole landing page for the hiring process where the job ad is not filled with 7,000 things, where it's like, here's the job ad, find more out more about our culture here, find out more about our requirements for this position here. And, you know, walking them through the process, but knowing also that, um, I'm sorry, but employers, we're also desperate right now too. And so we are going to have to, you know, take some um, considerations that we weren't going to take maybe five years ago because there's less people involved. And so even though you don't like the fact that somebody's wearing a hoodie, if no one's ever going to see them, I don't care. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think a lot of companies have changed that. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, with the pandemic of like, you have to be in the building in order to be a you know key employee. And now it's like, yeah, you can work from home. And then it used to be like, you had to wear a business casual in every company, even when customer would never walk through the door. Right. I always wondered that 20 years ago, I wondered that, like, why am I dressing up? Nobody sees me but my core. I know, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was just that's custom. And then it's also a little, okay, a lot of control. If they, if I could physically see my employees, then they must be working. And it's like, nah, that's never really been the case either. People who didn't want to work knew how to figure it out, but they were still there at the desk eight, nine hours a day, drinking your coffee, playing on your internet but not doing a damn thing. <laughs> yep. But they looked nice and they but were they at their desk. They looked really nice. And, you know, they were there. And 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so things have changed, fortunately. But, you know, just going back to the thing about the video and the audio interviews, uh, just make sure, especially when it comes to accommodations for people with a disability, you need to be connecting your interview questions um, about technology, about communication, about visuals to the job duties itself, not just of, you know, well, this is ideally what we want somebody to look or sound like. Yeah, for sure. I've always said, and this is one of those um, things I've heard myself say for 20 years, and including in my business, that's probably when it came to my mind, because there was definitely times when we were desperate, you know, a person, a key person left and we needed that role filled right away. And so desperation comes in in hiring a lot. And one of the things, and and I I definitely did it wrong in our business too. Like we interviewed and like, can you start tomorrow? Yeah. And I can say, I don't have the stat, but my gut says 98% of those people never stayed past 90 days. Because, and this is what I've coached people on and have learned in my own life, a job easy to get is a job easy to leave. So I I also agree 100% with the couple questions and then multiple steps. So even in desperation, we still need to take the time and slow things down in the interview process. Not too long because then they can take a job somewhere else. But none of this hiring desperate, okay, you check three boxes, you're breathing, you have a pulse, you look decent for client facing, let's hire you and start Monday. What are your thoughts on on slowing things down, even in desperate times. 100%. Uh, I preach this all the time, and I know it's difficult because you're like, I needed somebody yesterday. But if you are rushing people into the hiring process, that means you're going to rush them through everything else, and they're probably going to leave or you know quit and stay and do the bare minimum. But the hiring is the most important aspect of Bring it, you know, of, of employment. It really is. So taking your time, not rushing through the job interviews, getting, which means not even putting the job ad up until you've vetted everything out and said, this is what we really need. This is what we're interviewing for. Let's already block off everybody's schedule who's part of the interviewing process. Even though we don't have one candidate yet, let's, you know, put up some fake interview times and block out their schedules for the next two weeks. So that when I do get someone today that say, oh my goodness, that they, they answered the no-go questions, they answered the next one, boom, we're, we're replacing that fake um, hold on your calendar with a real interview and then moving forward and saying, okay, uh, this is our next step in the interviewing process. We're going to give you a job offer. We got to do a drug screening or whatever it might be, background checks, blah, blah, blah. But then having them start filling out you know, the paperwork, if they're salaried, especially ahead of time where their first day is just not sitting there filling out all this stupid, boring paperwork that only one thing, one or two things really need to be figured, filled out the first day. The first one is the I-9, you know, to make sure that they're, they're uh, legal to be working in the United States. Everything else is not necessarily a legal requirement, but a really smart requirement. Hey, do you want to know about our company? Yeah. You really think, Oh, hi, new hire. Do you want to know about our company policies? Here's a handbook that you're never going to read. Sign it and pretend that you did. Or how about we walk through it with you, uh, you know, during the first day of employment, the first week? Oh, did you want to meet everybody that you work with? Oh, let's just shove it all into the first day. And so you won't remember it. Let's, you know, spread that out over the first week, the first month. 
Uh, do you want to know your training opportunities here? Do you want to know about our benefits? Let's not just shove everything to them in a piece of a folder or a PDF that no one's ever going to read. And then they're going to feel weird asking you about later. So having that plan set up, uh, the other worst thing that I, I see all the time, and it drives me and everybody involved crazy is, oh, oh yeah, start tomorrow. And then we forgot to tell IT. Yeah. And then IT's like, well, what do you want me to do? I can't ship them a computer overnight. I didn't even buy the computer yet. I don't even have the authority to do this. Now I need to create them, create them all these, you know, social media things and emails and this, that, and the other. And then the employee, the new hire is just sitting there like, why am I here? And they're already going, this is the worst culture ever. I could see you're completely unprepared and peace out. I'm not coming back day two. That is exactly the point I was going to say is the hiring a job easy to get is a job easy to leave because that desperation is so obvious. So obvious that they're like, this company isn't organized to like, you know, have me start the next day, throw me some manuals, and then have me doing a task that I don't even know how this affects the rest of the company. Right, right. So having a plan, I, I suggest to all my clients and a, um, a 30, 60, 90 day plan for new hires. Um, it might for some new, some new hires, it might be 30 days. For some others, it might be 90, depending on the role. But making sure throughout that whole 30, 60 or 90 days that everyone who is assigned to be helping this employee or training them it's on their schedule in advance too, so that the, the new hire on day 45 doesn't go over to the technology department or the quality control department and say, okay, I've been assigned to work with you on this day so you could train me. And they're like, oh, that person's on vacation. Whoops, we didn't think that through. So communication, yeah. communication, communication. You know, you don't need these massive HRIS systems. They would be beautiful if you do. But you can just use an Excel sheet and appointments on on Outlook or your, you know, Gmail, whatever your email is that you're using. It doesn't need to be complicated. Everything that I use for my customers, because most of my clients do not have HR, that's why they're calling me. Um, everything that I use, I literally use like Word documents and Excel because almost everybody has that. Yep. That's not a skill to put on a resume anymore, is it? <laughs> sure. I'm I mean, mission in Microsoft Office. Yeah. Like, I mean, it could be, you know, if somebody is um, in a manufacturing firm and they're just there to pack boxes, then they don't need to be proficient in Office and, and Excel. But if they are, maybe that will help them get the job because they're like, we need somebody to, to take over all our processes and put them into these programs. If we give you the information, do you want to wear this extra hat and we'll give you extra money for not only packing the boxes, but then putting, um, you're putting in an order to teach new hires how to pack the boxes. Sure. That's a great point. I think another point, you know, we talk about, um, sort of larger companies in the recruiting and, and whatnot, but even those listening that are maybe in that starting to hire their first couple employees. So it's the owner who's doing all this recruiting and interviewing and, they're running a business, probably working umpteen hours a week. Everything that you said needs to be in their brain as well of like you as a business owner need to schedule your time appropriately for that 30, 60, 90 day plan because otherwise you're going to be doing this again in a couple months. Oh, absolutely. Or, or I also get this all the time, Tina, too, is, oh, yeah, we meant to teach them about that. Oh yeah, I, I I meant to do that. I meant to do that. That's my fault. I told them I was gonna 
train them on that. And then I didn't. Okay. So you hired someone with the expectation that you would train them in order to do their job. And then you never train them. And then you're mad at them for not being able to do their job. And then you're frustrated because right. you're recruiting for that position in six months again. Again. And we, again. we could go on all day long about the cost of recruiting, but we'll do that in a different episode. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. That's, that's all you need to know. And anybody who is listening knows, they know. Yeah. Think about the time. The time. People forget to add up the time it takes. So yes, there's a... Um, a money factor of the time as a business owner to put into the training and slowing things down, like you said, and just taking the time before you even post the ad. It takes time. And I think that's one of those challenges of like, I don't have time. I have to run my business. But it's like, you got to think bigger than today. Yeah. You got to put the pause button on like pause. Okay. Let's not act out of desperation. Let's come up with a plan from hiring somebody. Let's you know, scratch the job descriptions and start with a new one because that one didn't work. Let's get other people involved to make sure this really is the job description. Is this really what they do? And then using that job description to ask questions of the candidate and then using that job descriptions to, to give feedback of the new, to the new hire and to the person who's been here five, 10 years. You know, you, you really just need one tool. It's called a job description and you can make that into an interview scorecard. And you can make it into an ongoing review scorecard. Ta-ding. That's it. You don't have to buy these fancy forms. Right. Well, and like I always say, like, and when you're training that person, even if you're just a solopreneur getting started um, and don't have formal training for that position, do some videos, do some screen shares as you're like, here's how we do invoicing, or here's how we do this process on the order screen. And then you if if that person moves up, hopefully gets promoted in the company and you're replacing that person in a good way or whatever happens, like now you can go back to that training, modify a couple of things that maybe change, but it but like that's where that slow down, have a plan, have some training materials so you're not recreating the wheel every time you're recruiting. Right. And for the folks that are saying, Well, I don't know how to do that, just do a zoom with yourself. That's it. Exactly. You just do a zoom with yourself and you screen share. If you're if it's a physical thing. You still could just do a Zoom or a video with yourself and walking around and saying, okay, here are the boxes that we need to pick up and this is the way to do it. I do caution though, if you're going to be recording employees, you want to make sure you get their permission. And then um, I like to personally put maybe managers in the, in the position instead of employees and hopefully managers that aren't necessarily going to leave. We can't always control that, but make sure you get their sign off that says this is, you know, we can use this if you leave the organization. That might be another little quality check there to you saying if they're saying, no, I don't want to be in this video, you might want to go, huh, are you thinking about leaving? And maybe I need to, you know, question that a little bit more and, and figure out what else is going wrong here in this culture. Well, I think that's a like, ask more questions, right? Know your team and ask more questions and those type of things will come out. So from a recruiting standpoint, pause the job description, have a plan, have a 30, 90 day training plan as well. Right. And, and during, and yep. And during that 30, 60, 90 days, not just a training plan, but constant ongoing two-way feedback between the new hire and the, and uh, the manager. Right. And really focus on culture because that's why they're staying. Culture, culture, culture. Yeah. I mean, if you're paying appropriately, you have decent benefits, you have a, you know, a training plan, they don't feel lost, they feel like there's uh, hope they can go to somebody if they're stuck. The next thing left is, you know, the 
the the culture, the company values. How are be- people behaving towards me? Um, do I feel safe here? Do I feel included here? If the answer to all of those are yes, then they're probably going to stay longer than somebody else who doesn't feel that way. I think that's a great summary of everything we talked about today. Now, I know you love training and that's really where you get your energy. So if people have teams that they're like, we need more Wendy in our life, (laughs) how do they get a hold of you? Sure. You can just go to my website, thehrlady.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Wendy Sellers, The HR Lady. On my website, I have uh, on-demand management training, and it's me. It's my voice. Um, And so there's a bunch of different versions there, and they're super cheap. Or you can hire me to speak at a conference or to do customized training for your individual companies. And I love it. I love seeing people connect the dots. Many managers that I'm dealing with now, um, I was doing a training the other day and, you know, have been managers for 20 years and they are still looking for information because it's a new world that we're in and we're dealing with, you know, different problems in the workplace that we've never dealt with before, regardless of the age of managers or the age of employees. It's just a new, it's new times and uh, it requires new strategies. And most managers who are, you know, really good, they want it. They want something. They're like, help me. I'm struggling here. The final thing that I wanted to say about, you know, managers and management training is it is incredibly difficult to be a manager today. And so you need to remove other responsibilities from the manager, because if you're just throwing more and more and more people responsibilities on them, then they're not going to be able to do other function. And they're going to eventually just cave or crash and explode, and then they're going to leave the organization. And if your employees are staying because of the management team and the managers leave, then that means your employees are going to leave too. Yes. We've seen that happen in some industries or some companies for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today, Wendy. We're going to have you back for lots of HR because like you said, um, people are in every business regardless. Even if they're yes, not they employed, are. they're vendors or customers, they're all the things. And most businesses do have employees. So we'll have you back soon. Well, thank you so much for having me. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please, Share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.